How you doing, Tony? Doing well, Will. How are you today, Will McCormick? I'm good. I got to bring in the episode, so. <laughs> Listen, there's a couple things I want to get to before we start off the show. One, Will McCormick has been fired after today. Ouch. Yeah. That's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> Live on the show, firing of Will McCormick. No, listen, I don't know why I do this to myself, mm. but it's just the way things worked out. I have scheduled three Tony G show interviews this week. Slacker. Three of them. We've never done more than, well, maybe we've done two in a week, but we've never done like, you know, maybe it's on like a Friday and a Monday or something like that, but we have never done three in a week. Might as well make it a baker's dozen. At this I, point. <laughs> <laughs> just go for a full six. Hey, 13. anybody want an interview on the Tony G Show? Here's the February series of interviews for the Tony G Show interviews. Mike Pant, he mm-hmm. will be released tomorrow. That interview is going to drop tomorrow. And then at some point, either late this week or next week, Dan Lucas, the assistant Director of Athletics Communications for St. Norbert College. His interview will come out. He's been with the school for 23 years. He knows what he's doing in terms of press releases and all this stuff. He knows the back end of all sports. So we're going to talk about that. He's a manager of Legion Baseball for De Pere, which has won four state championships under his reign as a head coach. Uh, it was at two separate times that we took a break in between and just went to a state championship. Either way, he knows a lot about sports. His interview will come out. At some point, either late this week or next week. And then A.J. Aitken. You remember how I said I wanted a women's hockey team member? Well, I just went and got the head coach. I there emailed him. And it was a, by way of a text from a friend of mine, an old boss of mine. Shout out, Josh, if you're listening. Thank you for the text. That, you know, because I was thinking, I got to get someone from the women's hockey team. And then out of the blue, I get this text from him. A former boss who's a supporter of the show, Tony G. Show. He said, you ever, you ever did a A.J. Aitken interview? I said, no, I haven't. He said, he's got a good story. Why don't you give him an interview? Yes, you know, I said, you know what? I go ahead and email him. A.J. Aitken agrees, so we got that interview coming out sometime soon as well. Three Tony G. Show interviews in the February series. And the month isn't even half over. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I could... We're not even 10 days in. No, we aren't. It's going to be like the first 11 days of the month, I'll have three interviews done. No one knows this because I'm just as humble as it gets and don't talk about this. That's a lot of work because i got to <laughs> prep for the interview. Yeah. I have to get there early before the interviewee gets interviewed. Interview the interviewer. Mm-hmm. I have to edit the show, which takes about hours. And then I have to post it and publish it and then social media post all over and spread it. I don't even know because I just push buttons when I go there. <laughs> exactly. I just move a couple sliders <laughs> and a couple words. I am like... I hold so many hats with the Tony G show. And that's what you, you know, a college student yeah. producing a sports talk podcast on his own. I don't have money to go pay for an entire production cast. Vice president of Tony G Incorporated. Yeah. Tony G Inc. I'm the president. Oh, yeah. I, I'm the vi- <laughs> vice president. Will is my CEO. And founder. <laughs> CEO slash CFO slash janitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are uh, yep. on the janitor staff with mm-hmm. uh, Green, uh, Christian. Wow. <laughs> okay. Tony G Show. This is what you're listening to. I'm Tony G. That's Will McCormick at Willis5312 for his Twitter, at Tony G Nation for mine, at TonyGNation.com for all things Tony G Show related. And, uh, you know, if you want to listen to some of my sports broadcasting, public address announced videos, go ahead and uh, go to TonyGNation.com. What do you think about that? I don't think much. Yeah, you don't think much. You just kind of sit there and stare off into space. Yep. That's. 
what Will McCormick uh, does on the Tony G show. You should see him before. I mean, when we go into show, I might as well be talking to the refrigerator because the kid just doesn't. I mean, he's just staring off into space. <laughs> I just come here and I just like sit here in my chair and wait until you start talking. Yes. I totally dissociate cool. myself from reality. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Will is getting deep on today's Tony G show, which is going to be a good one. We're going to talk new NFL head coaches. We're going to talk. Yeah. All right. Before you dip out on this episode, I'm going to talk NASCAR today. My podcast, I want to, Will just eye-rolled me. <laughs> I want to talk NASCAR, the state of NASCAR as we head into this season. And I really hope you listen to that. I'm looking forward to it. But if not, how about this? You know how I, I, I'm very production-minded. So I think what's going to get people to listen through the entire episode? Well, today... The third segment is another Wisconsin sports highlight on the Green Bay Packers. So you're going to want to listen to that. See, that's how I get you to listen to that middle mm-hmm. segment of the NASCAR to get to the Packers. Now you just listen to an entire episode of the Tony G Show, which happens to be the third episode in Season 8 of the Tony G Show. I, I'm smart like that. Will shaking his head as if to say, no, you're not. That's I'm one agreeing. Quarter. Huh? I'm agreeing. Oh, really deep down you're not. That's true. Yeah, okay. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. Tony G Show. You are listening to the eighth and final season of the Tony G Show. Eight seasons of laughs, memories, and sports are coming to an end. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Check out more from Tony G at TonyGNation.com. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's your host, Tony G. Forgot to mention this in the open. Thursday's show is going to be all Super Bowl related. Our Super Bowl preview show on Thursday. Bengals, Rams, all things Super Bowl. What is it, 56 now? Holy cow, time flies. It's, yeah, at least. I don't even know. It's uh, not looking it up. LVI. VI is 6, and L is 50? No. Roman numerals. I don't know why they do that. And how about the logo? We'll, we'll talk about this more, I guess, on on, th- on Thursday's show. But how about the logos of the Super Bowl mm-hmm. just being completely generic for the last decade and a half? All they do is they change the letters. Yeah, that's <laughs> literally all it is. It's a gray Roman numeral with uh, what Super Bowl it is and the Super Bowl trophy. Yeah, I mean, this year they've gone with the red and the you know whatever. But it used to be this big gigantic logo, and it was so mm-hmm. majestic and memorable. And now it's just like. Nah. Uninspired. Uninspiring. Kind of like Will McCormick. <laughs> Just Will. really leaning into me today. <laughs> <laughs> Just tearing you apart. Uh, See, I didn't get to for the last two months because yeah. we haven't had Tony G shows. And now I finally get to it. I'm just going off the rails on you. But I start bringing up that discussion again, too. One, of course, advertised Thursday show, Super Bowl preview. It's going to be a good one, so tune in for that. Uh, of course, we've got interviews coming out for the next couple of weeks on the Tony G Show interview, so stay in touch with that. But I also bring up the Super Bowl because our first segment is NFL-related today. We're going to be talking about the new NFL head coaches around the league. Not all of them, but a particular few of them that I think are of significance. I'm going to, t- I'm going to tell you what I think is the best coaching hire so far in the NFL offseason, what I think is the most overrated coaching hire, which might surprise you when we get there, and then I'm going to tell you which coaching hire will not work out. The one that is just destined to fail. So, I mean, let's start by recapping some of these big names. Uh, We're from a Wisconsin market, so former Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett for the last three seasons under Matt LaFleur. 
is now the head coach in Denver for the Broncos. He, there's a lot of speculation he went there to get Aaron Rodgers there. There's a lot of speculation that Aaron Rodgers is going to be attracted to that position because he loved playing under Nathaniel Hackett. He said it in, in press conferences all the time how much he loved Nathaniel Hackett. He produced under him. He's about to win a second MVP under him as the offensive coordinator. And not to mention that Nathaniel Hackett is part of this coaching tree from Matt LaFleur, who is a part of the Sean McVay coaching tree. You know, it was the hot topic a couple seasons ago when Sean McVay was this great head coach, all these different coordinators, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, quarterback coach, getting jobs around the league. And it's the same thing with Matt LaFleur. You have back-to-back-to-back 13-win seasons. You go to the NFC Championship twice. You go into the playoffs three times. You're going to have that type of reaction. And Nathaniel Hackett is part of that quarterback tree that stems from Matt LaFleur. So Nathaniel Hackett has all this. I'm not going to be talking about him. He's not, he's not my favorite coaching hire uh, for a couple reasons. Nothing personal against Nathaniel Hackett, but he doesn't, as of right now, he does not have Aaron Rodgers in Denver. Mm-hmm. He has Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater to work with. He's, he's kind of a chance. It is. You know, like, like LaFleur was definitely a gamble. Like, I remember when they picked him up, it was like, who is this guy? Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously, he came from Sean McVay. So that's, you know, he's got experience there, but. Hackett's got some time to work things out, but Correct. he's probably, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to flop. Either. No, he's going to. No. Go, you know, they're going to be a better team than before. Yes, because Vic Fangio was a defensive minded, defensive coordinator before he was a head coach right. for the Broncos. That didn't really work out. He was an older gentleman who you know doesn't really relate. But Nathaniel Hackett's going to be able to do somewhat of a nice job, I think, in Denver. If it uh, goes better than expected, it goes better than expected, and it would not surprise me. But there's just a lot that needs to happen in Denver. I guess there's a lot that needs to happen all over the place. Just yesterday, though, the Houston Texans signed Lovey Smith, who was the Texans' defensive coordinator in 2021 and associate head coach as well. He was the Illinois head coach from 16 to 20, 2016 to 2020. Don't know if I like that. It's an interesting one. It's one of those cases, again, where there's just more that needs to happen in Houston than a new head coach. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot more that has to go on for that Texas organization to be successful. You got to figure you have got to find a solution for Deshaun Watson. He's not playing for you. It's not the Aaron Rodgers. I'll give you a maybe, I'll give you a yes, I'll report late and then, you know, take you to a playoff. Deshaun Watson is not playing in Houston. So there's a lot that needs to go on in Houston. Do really like Jacksonville Jaguars signing Doug Peterson. There's a lot of things up in the air, however, because of how Peterson left Philadelphia. It was just 4 years there. Won a Super Bowl and he was out. So I don't know what really transpired in Philadelphia to get him out of there. And Jacksonville, you think of and you think of Shahid Khan, he's someone who used to be in the front office down in San Francisco for the 49ers. John Harbaugh, Jim Tom Sula comes to Jacksonville, fires Doug Marone after a year. So he's been in a front office for like four or five seasons, and this is his f- like fourth head coach. So there's not a lot of consistency there with him running a running a, a team and an organization. So we'll see how that goes out. But I do like Doug Peterson. I thought he was going to sign in uh, Minnesota. I thought that Byron Leftwich was going to sign in Jacksonville. That did not transpire. Byron Leftwich is still in Tampa Bay. Maybe there's some speculation. There isn't any speculation as of right now, but since Tom Brady has stepped away, maybe Bruce Arians, who is inching towards 70, is going to step away. And then that would mean that Byron left, which would pretty much be a sure in to get that head coaching position in Tampa Bay. Ones that I will not mention 
in-depth Minnesota Vikings and Kevin O'Connell, the Rams OC. Don't know if I like it. Don't know if I hate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, New Orleans Saints, they promote their defensive coordinator from 2015 to 2021, Dennis Allen. He is their new head coach. Um, And then ones that I'm going to mention in-depth, I will get into now. Remember, best coaching coaching hire, overrated coaching hire, and the coaching hire that is just not going to work out. We'll start with the best coaching hire that I like the most, and this is one that just happened recently as well. And what I mean, before I get into it, the best coaching hire, what I mean here is who's going to have the long-term success? Who's going to be able to set foot in this organization and stick around for a while? You, and you're not talking like wins next season. You're talking, I, yeah. Collect- I kind of am, but I'm kind of not. Yeah. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the, if this team goes like 5-12. and 12. But it also, I also think they're going to start winning some games and have mm-hmm. success over a long period of time. Yeah. Have the best chance to get into a playoff run and maybe even a Super Bowl. I do like the Dolphins getting Mike McDaniel, the former offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. And here's why I like this so much. This fit works well. The Dolphins, I don't think, needed a head coach. I don't think Brian Flores... Deserved to be fired. However, there is a whole bunch of things in the air of he was given money to lose and then he was fired and then now he's suing the NFL and certain teams like uh, the Miami Dolphins and stuff like that. Even the Denver Broncos are in there. I, I, I don't know about this whole Brian Flores situation enough to talk about it on this podcast. But what I will mention is I don't know that the Dolphins needed a new head coach to redirect them, but when you think about their offense and you think about Tua Tungavailoa and how he's young and how he has not met expectations so far as a starting quarterback in the NFL, he needs an offensive-minded quarterback. Brian Flores was a defensive-minded quarterback. He needs an offensive-minded head coach. Brian Flores was a defensive-minded head coach, and he used to play – or not play. He used to call play calls for the New England Patriots defense. So he's not the offensive guru that – the Miami Dolphins really need to massage their offense to the point where Tua Tungavailoa can be successful. Mike McDaniel has said that. There is an article out there where he was quoted as saying that he is going to make Tua successful. And he didn't say it like that. I mean, that sounds kind of arrogant, but he said, right. my job is to make Tua have a more successful season or something like that. Put him in a position to be yeah. successful, basically. Exactly. Exactly. If you're paraphrasing, that's what he was saying. So, I like Mike McDaniel's offensive-mindedness. I like how he played under uh, Kyle Shanahan, who was part of that Sean McVay coaching tree, which we just mentioned. Here's the thing. When you think about what Mike McDaniel did in San Francisco, this is a team that went to the NFC Championship two out of the last three seasons and won one of those NFC Championship games, went to a Super Bowl loss to the Chiefs. When you think about Mike McDaniel, The thing with him and this 49er offense is that they had some success with lackluster quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo led the San Francisco 49ers to the second NFC Championship game in the last three years under Mike McDaniel as the offensive coordinator. And this is a team that had the top 10 passing offense with Jimmy Garoppolo. How many times have we said it on this podcast? You can win with average quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. You can absolutely do it. I think Tua Tungavailoa has more talent, has way more mobility and speed and quickness than Jimmy Garoppolo. For sure, more up, like potential upside. Exactly. He's a younger guy. Mm-hmm. 
He's been more injured and more beat up. But I remember I always, when I think of Tua Tagovailoa, I always try to think of him in a good light because, of course, what he did in Alabama and the success that he probably could have in the NFL. But I always, you know, and of course there's always a downside to Tua Tagovailoa when you talk about his NFL career and being injured and not playing up to expectations. But the game I always think back to, Dolphins-Cardinals. And Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa both run rampant on the opposing team's defense. And it was this game where I thought, this is the future. These two guys are going to be the future of the NFL. I don't know that they're going to necessarily win Super Bowls, but this is the type of quarterback that we're seeing this massive influx in the NFL. In. Mobile quarterbacks, the Patrick Mahomes, the Kyler Murrays, the Tua Tagovailoas, the Lamar Jacksons. So the reason I bring that up is because I always think of Tua Tagovailoa like that. I watched that game, and it was a back-and-forth game, and I thought, this kid can really compete. If he has this platform, if he has an offense built around him and his certain talents, strengths, and weaknesses, this is a team that could be successful. And I think I really do think Mike McDaniel is the man for that job. I like what he did in San Francisco, top 10 passing offense in the league with Jimmy Garoppolo, so imagine what he can do with Tua Tagovailoa once he works out some of his kinks. So once again, I think that the, the, the coaching hire that is best suited to have long-term success is Mike McDaniel in Miami coaching for the Dolphins. The overrated coaching hire might surprise you here. I'm going to say Brian Dabble in New York. The offensive-minded guru who took over for the Giants. I'm not saying it won't work out, technically. But I'm just saying he's overtouted as a head coach. He came out of Buffalo, you know, all these head coaching vacancies ready to be filled, and Brian Dabble was destined to find a job somewhere. But... Everyone looked at what he did with Buffalo and, and the type of season that they're having in Buffalo. Listen, Josh Allen is a different character. Remember yeah. when I did my quarterback rankings, top three QBs, just last Thursday, and Josh Allen was up there? He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So you stick him in New York where he's coach Brian Dabble, we're talking about here. Well, you stick him in New York where he's coaching Daniel Jones, where he's coaching Mike Glennon, where he's coaching Jake Fromm who I loved coming out of college, but he hasn't panned out. Instead of Josh Allen, there's going to be some struggles there. And Brian Dabble, I don't know that this was the right fit for the Giants. I just don't think that this was the right move. I don't. Th- I, I think Brian Dabble is over-touted, overrated. He is a, a, a coach that has some upside, but also has some – I mean, it was a it, – it's nothing that's going to be like, holy cow, this team is going to succeed. I like Mac, Mike McDaniels. Mike McDaniel in Miami more than I like Dabble in New York. And it's a similar situation to probably what will happen at some point in the future with a Fleur. How much of his success is attributed to Aaron Rodgers' play? And that's something that maybe not this year, maybe not the next, but at some point we'll experience and we'll know. Yeah. Play design is a lot, but player talent, and speaking on terms of Josh Allen, pulled a lot of that weight for the the Bills. They Absolutely. they they were good for a while. You know, they were kind of a fringe team. They get a really good gunslinger quarterback and they're now their playoff contenders. See, now it it depends. Do the Giants plan on sticking with Daniel Jones as a quarterback? Right. I don't know that they do. They have him. But I don't know that they plan on sticking with him. I mentioned that there's upside to Brian Dabble. And I think the upside with Dabble and if there's any chance that this works out or if there's any reason for the hype around Dabble as a head coach. It comes from his situational play calling and designs and schemes for his offense to get the 
best players the ball. And what I mean by the situational success is just last season when he was the OC in Buffalo coaching for the uh, Bills and Josh Allen and that offense, that team, the Bills, this season, had the fifth most first downs in the NFL. So what does that show me? They're extending drives. They have play designs for third and long, for third and short, for fourth down. They know how to extend drives, get in the end zone, or get into the red zone, get into field goal range, and put points on the board. So that is the point that I look at Brian Dabble and I say, now there's potential for a head coach. Everything else, I don't know that I see it within him. It's more of Josh Allen doing the heavy lifting. And you could say, well, what's the difference with Nathaniel Hackett or what's the difference with these guys who got these jobs Josh McDaniels, who had Tom Brady for so many years. What's the difference between Brian Dabble, you know, taking over New York? Why is that not going to work out and Nathaniel Hackett's going to work out? Well, I think it's different because Nathaniel Hackett was able to learn from Aaron Rodgers, was able to learn from Matt LaFleur. Not that Dabble wasn't able to learn from McDermott, but he is more of a superior to Josh Allen than Aaron Rodgers was on that equal playing field with Matt LaFleur, equal playing field with Nathaniel Hackett. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say about that? Well, there's also, when you look at Denver as compared to the Giants, there's also a little bit of a relationship between the success of a head coach and the talent that's at that, in that organization. Oh, certainly. And the, the uh, Broncos are head and toes above the Giants at this point in time. It seems like the Giants are in this like, cycle of of Saquon getting injured and it, it's I don't know no, it, there's you're, you're there's absolutely right yeah there's certain teams that like coaches have to go to because there's only 32 head coaching jobs but it almost like kills their career mm-hmm. I love the point about Saquon Barkley because it's like the Christian McCaffrey thing mm-hmm. you can draft this guy in your fantasy league every year but he's gonna play six games for you yep. and I'm not saying they're not gonna get healthy ever again but just the trend that we've seen throughout the course of running backs' careers in the NFL is once they have that one big injury, then their reliability, or I suppose not reliability, but their durability, longevity, whatever, longevity decreases mightily. We've seen that with Christian McCaffrey. We're seeing that with Saquon Barkley. So now you have to figure out how to make do. So here's what Brian Dabble is going to do. He's coming. He's going to come into New York, design an offense around Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones, who was injured last year, who isn't the best quarterback around, who they're probably going to move on from in the next, I don't know, they might extend him, give him another contract, but after that he's done. So the next five years, Daniel Jones is not going to be a giant because it's not going to work out. He's going to build an offense around Saquon Barkley, who's going to play probably eight games, if that, and be injured. Hopefully, I'm not saying I hope this, of course, because Saquon Barkley is one of the premier players in the league, Mm -hmm. but just the trend. You have to think realistically. So he's going to, I'm trying to predict here, he's going to build an offense around players who aren't going to be there down the stretch, and it's just not going to work out. It's not necessarily Dabble's fault, but I just don't think this was the right fit for him. He needed a job like, he needed a job with more build around it, like Denver, like New Orleans, who is going to be successful in the coming near future. New York? They're miles away. Mm-hmm. Not saying it won't work out. I'm not no. saying it's a given it's not going to work out, but this was just an overrated coaching hire that everybody hyped up because of Dabble. And it has some potential. It has some upside. I'm not necessarily saying it's going to work out. I'm not saying it won't work out. But this was just over-touted, over-hyped. So you ready to hear the one coaching hire that I think will not work out? Mm-hmm. That was just absolutely the wrong move to go in. And I'm not saying this because we're based out of a Wisconsin market. And I'm knocking on wood. Yeah, and we're knocking on wood too here in Tony G Studios. 
Not that there is much wood. What is this, for Micah? I don't know. But the point <laughs> is that we, that this coaching hire is not going to work out. You know what it is? The Chicago Bears went and got Matt Eberflus, the Colts' defensive coordinator for the last couple of seasons. Where do I start here? Well, let me start here by saying that the Chicago Bears just drafted Justin Fields, who just had a rookie season, with Matt Nagy as the head coach in the worst offense in the league. The worst, I'm not exaggerating, that was statistically it, the worst offense in the league. The Bears had a bottom four to five offense in the league for the last three to four seasons. So what do you do? You go out and hire a defensive coordinator. Huh? You don't pursue any of these offensive names that are out there. I thought Jim Harbaugh would have been a great fit for Michigan. Used to play for the Bears as, the, as a quarterback. Offensive-minded coach. You go get him. Okay, even not. You have Nathaniel Hackett out there. You have Doug Peterson. You have Josh McDaniels. You have Mike McDaniel. You go get one of these offensive-minded coaches. Brian Dabble. I would have loved Brian Dabble in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that would have worked out absolutely way more than he's going to work out in New York. Right. It, it just seems like there is a very obvious trend that defensive-minded uh, head coaches just struggle. You know, with a few exceptions, yeah. Belichick is one, of course. Right, there are a few, but they but Belichick also does other things in, like like none other. Well, not even in the broad scope of coaches, but in this particular situation, you right. have a young quarterback, you have a, a an offense that absolutely needs a rejuvenation, it needs direction. You need it needs direction. Allen Robinson's been on the team for years. You need a better running back situation or a game plan to get your running backs into it more and you go I mean, get a defensive-minded yeah. coach, that's just not what you need. Really, on paper, that team needs a slightly better running back, but Montgomery is serviceable. Yeah. And really, on paper, that team looks pretty successful. Yes. Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Justin Fields, and his potential. You needed an offensive-minded coach, and you're going to tell me that defense is the And not just like he went and got Bill Belichick. Or a Bill Belichick descendant. They went and got the Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus. The Colts had a middle-of-the-pack defense. Allowed the eighth-most yards per offensive play last year in the NFL. Tony G does his homework. You see these stats I'm pulling up? They fit into my argument perfectly because this is a middle-of-the-pack, bottom-half defense, and you went and get that defensive coordinator to lead your team when you need offense. This is a team that has been touted for defense since the 80s. You don't need a defensive court. You don't need to feed into that. You already have that defense built, and you go get an offensive-minded coordinator, excuse me, defensive-minded coordinator to fill in that head coaching position when you obviously needed an offensive-minded coach to build up Justin Fields. How do you not go get a former quarterback that are that is in this head coach circulation of Doug Peterson or a Jim Harbaugh? Give, give Jim Harbaugh a blank check and tell him to make Justin Fields into a Hall of Famer, into an All-Pro. Bring you to a Super Bowl. And then the Bears are scary. But you go get a middle-of-the-pack defensive coordinator? I mean, I, it's just the wrong move. I'm not blasting the Bears because we're from a Wisconsin market. Lambeau Field is about 10 minutes that way. That's not why I'm doing this. Honestly, from a removed standpoint, this was the absolute wrong move, and Matt Eberflus is going to be out of Chicago. And so I guess I don't necessarily agree with Harbaugh being the solution, and this kind of leads into my next question okay. that I want to ask you, but there also seems to be this trend in the NFL, and maybe this is just my uh, my knowledge of the, of the game when I was younger, but it seems like when coaches 
you know, were um, removed from their position with the team. It just felt like basically all these coaches just kind of rotated, and there was like a group of like, I'm just pulling numbers off the top of my head, but like say 10 coaches that would kind of move around, but they were basically like, oh, he was, you know, the um, head coach at XYZ, and sure. it just kind of moved around. I get what you're saying. And it seems like now there's this uh, trend of just offensive coordinators from, you know, Sean McVay or Matt LaFleur that are being promoted. And it's kind of, I don't know, I guess, can you speak on it? It's not really even a question. It's just something that we're observing now that there's more of like coordinators becoming head coaches. I think that's always been the case, though. I mean, Bill Belichick I, was a coordinator yeah. under Parcells. But I, think? I guess what I'm saying is that like there were a lot of coaches for a while, like Doug Peterson, that like, or even um, McCarthy, you know, yeah. like, was he really the best hire for the Cowboys? Probably not. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, it, there seems to be more of a, a trend towards like younger well, it's, coaches. It seems like if you're in the NFL, I get what you're trying to say here, because if you're in the NFL as a head coach and you get removed from that position, unless it goes absolutely terrible, haywire, like an Adam Gase situation, mm-hmm. you're going to get another head coaching position. You know, uh, Gary Kubiak could put his name in the ring for a head coaching position and get one in a heartbeat. I don't know that I agree that it, that trend has always been, you know, there's been coordinators to get bumped up. Bill Belichick is, is an example. Uh, you look at the Mike Holmgren tree, Andy Reid, yeah, John th- Gruden. I that's mean, true. That's guys true. that coached under him and even Mike Holmgren to that point wouldn't coach another team. Andy Reid wouldn't coach another team, Philly to um, and maybe – yeah, maybe we're just Kansas City. I have Pete Carroll in the back of my mind because I'm trying to fit into him into this argument. But the point is, you know, Andy Reid, Philly to Kansas City. If you are in the NFL as a head coach and it doesn't go terrible, you can get another head coaching position in the NFL. Throw your hat in the ring, and you're going to find one somewhere. Yeah, and I guess and that does make sense. And maybe we're just right now experiencing some of the older coaches kind of step down, and we're experiencing that new new wave rejuvenation yeah. of coaches. And now maybe these guys will be around for a while. But the new faces. Same thing could be said about quarterbacks. Yeah. Big Ben stepping down. Yep. Brady. Um, Brady stepping down. Aaron Rodgers towards the back end of his career. Breeze. Bree- uh, yeah, I just saw this a couple of uh, weeks ago. It was this post, I think, by Bleacher Report on Twitter where it said, you know, we're seeing our childhood retire. Drew mm-hmm. Breeze is gone. Phillip Rivers is gone. Peyton Manning is gone. Eli Manning is gone. Ben, uh, ben Roethlisberger is gone. Tom Brady has gone. Aaron Rodgers has one foot out the door, you could argue. So we're seeing this next wave of quarterbacks step in, the Joe Burrows, the Kyler Murrays, the, the uh, Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons, that are really going to start to run this league. This is the next generation of quarterbacks, and the same could be said about head coaches. We're seeing this next generation of Sean McVay's, Nathaniel Hackett's, Matt LaFleur's, Kyle Shanahan's, Mike McDaniel's, who are guys that are not even in their uh, you know, early 40s, not even in their mid-40s, 50s. These are young guys getting jobs and running teams to successful NFL playoff programs so it's interesting to see this trend and to be covering the nfl at this time i guess not necessarily covering we're not like credentialed to get into a locker room anytime soon but to be watching and covering and following along at this time because we're seeing this new wave step in and start to take over that's a good place to leave that nfl discussion there give us your thoughts at tony g nation on twitter at willis5312 on twitter by the way on tonygnation.com there's a page where you can contact Tony G. There you go. If you want to leave your opinion there, hey, I get it in my inbox, in my email. <laughs> go ahead and respond to any of the discussions that you feel like you have opinions on. If it's good enough, if it's thought out, if it's a good discussion, if I change my mind, it'll get mentioned on the podcast. So at TonyGNation.com, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, and let us know what you think.
We're going to get to the Wisconsin sports highlight, the Green Bay Packers, towards the back end of the show. But we're going to talk NASCAR now. So listen to me. Don't tune out right away. All right? I, I honestly don't get it. I mean, I do get it. Why people, why my NASCAR is falling out of popularity in today's generation. But I just feel like if people understood it more, the talent and the skill that it takes, then they'd fall in love with it in the way that I have for the last couple of years. Will McCormick does not agree at all. The state of NASCAR ahead of this 2022 regular season. We just saw the exhibition kick off to the season. Joey Logano won the Class of Champions in L.A., which was a good race, which featured a lot of outside energy to try to bring attention to the sport. You know, Ice Cube performed in the middle of the sh- in the middle of the race in an intermission. <laughs> he did a concert, which I mean, all right, yeah, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to get this, you know, you're trying to get a different, more variety of Seems fan like bases in here. And desperation. It kind of does. I mean, it doesn't really fit. I liked it. I thought he did a good job. I like mm-hmm. Ice Cube's music. I mean, one of his songs. The instrumental was the intro to one of our seasons last year, to mm-hmm. one of our episodes last year. You know how we do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I turned into a beatbox here on the Tony G show. But I, the point is, to circle back, I don't know that it necessarily fits in with what NASCAR does. I get they're trying to entertain the younger dem- demographic or even the older demographic, trying to get people to watch NASCAR. So I don't mind it, but... I think there's one thing sitting in the way of NASCAR really producing themselves and throwing themselves in the mix to be a top sporting organization. And that is what exactly the class of champions was. It was a short track race. What I mean by that is it's not this big stretched out oval of a race course. It's more circular. It was held in the Coliseum. It's short. It's quick. And they've started to do road courses last year. And these shorter races don't entertain me to the point that the longer races do. And I hear from people who aren't fans of NASCAR, why do they do the short track thing? Why do they do the quick? That doesn't allow them to get the full speed. And that's exactly true. I don't like it. I, mm. You know, I wouldn't mind one mixed in every so often, but it just seems like there are more short courses and road courses than there are the long, typical, traditional NASCAR oval shaped tracks that's interesting because i think i would take the camp of the short course really i i just enjoy a road race watching something more than just top speed to me is interesting to to observe but Hmm. i can also see the draw of like i don't know what what do they top out at now 280 miles an hour not 80 no it's uh they they get over two it's about two they're in the next gen of cars which we'll be talking about in about 120 seconds here but it's (laughs) maybe like 210 right so to me, the after, it's really cool to see that. But after about two minutes of like watching them hit that speed, it almost loses its like. I wouldn't even say two ten. I want to correct myself about two hundred. Yeah, continue. But yeah, it almost loses a bit of its lure. Interesting. I think the me. exact opposite. That interests me. I did not know that we were going to have this discussion and this difference of opinion. But I like the light because when I watch a short track, they're always throttling down. They're always. Losing that speed. I want to watch that full speed. I want to watch it throttle up and have to decide which lane you're going to go into. How you're going to use the uh, other races to promote your positioning to the front of the race. The short tracks, it doesn't allow for anybody to pass because it's just if you get behind a car, you're not going to you're going to throttle down when they throttle down, and then you're not going to be able to pass them. Right, and it's that just, probably there's just no passing unless someone wrecks. I enjoy watching like rally races. 
Okay. And so like that's probably where that short track there's more um you know you're where you're downshifting and where you're, you know it's more of like picking lines yeah. where and I, and I understand that you know top speed races big track big oval is definitely a, it's a lot of line involvement but there's more You mean lane involvement? Or lane involvement, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But there's more there's also the um in rally races it's all time. There's you're not racing against anybody in that moment there's yeah. more, it's more of a time attack kind of thing mm-hmm. so i can see where the short track and nascar just really doesn't mix well that's a fair point i i do you know like i said there's a place for it there's a market for it you throw in one a month okay mm-hmm. you know if you race every sunday you throw in one a month you throw in another road course a month and then the other two say there's four sundays a month and then the other two are long traditional tracks then i could see it but these road courses man they i mean they turn daytona into a road course for the ha- like the halfway or back end part of the season, I don't like that, man. Yeah, go all out, get top speed, pick lanes. You know, I, I I like to see the science behind this and and strategy behind NASCAR racing instead of just throttling down and getting stuck behind the lead car all race long. Speaking of uh, lead cars here, I, the next gen of cars is here. This is why I've, I've titled this. I I love how this is all falling into place. The title of this episode is Next Generation. Because we've talked about the next generation of NFL head coaches, even talked about the NFL quarterbacks. Now it's the next, this season they're breaking out, NASCAR is breaking out the next gen of cars. There's a new design. You can even tell by the rims. You can tell by the shape of the, of the car from Fords to Chevys. Uh, you know, the entire makeup and model of the car is different than it, than it has been before. It's a new gen of cars. So this is an interesting point of turning the page to the next couple of years generation of NASCAR racing. This might be controversial to bring up, but I want to ask you. Okay. And in no way would this go over smoothly with the NASCAR fan base. Would you ever watch electric cars race? Can you imagine that? Mm. So there'd be no engine noise. Yeah. Wouldn't that be weird? And, that I, and I know this, like, this is totally unrelated to the conversation we're having, and I don't think it would go over. I don't really ever see that happening. I don't see that happening either. Cause that I, is... Just, that's just the topic of next gen, next gen, you know, because when I think next gen vehicles, I'm thinking EV. Mustang, the Ford Mustang forever has been one of the top muscle, top selling muscle cars since it first came out in 66, 67. And I think it was 2020 where Ford released the Ford Mustang Mach E mm-hmm. and it was a hybrid. It was a hatchback type of deal. It looked like a, a it looked kind of like a. Ford Escape almost? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have a Ford Escape in my head, but it's like a, it's like this small compact car. That's what I'm like. It's like a compact car. Mm-hmm. And then they've continued to persist with their typical traditional Mustang. Yep. But then they called it a Mustang Mach-E. Like they came up with a hybrid car and just called it a Mustang so it could sell. And it was completely uh, annoying to me because it's that's not what the Mustang is. And that's right. not what NASCAR is. So I, I, I don't think that – I'm not mad that we – are going down this road because in talking about the next gen, it's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. But you have to think about the recharge speed. Right. You know, if you've, you think about when racers come to pit row and they get filled up with gas while they get their tires changed, how are you going to charge them up? Doesn't it take like an hour to charge the, right. full, <laughs> the that, whole battery? So how would that work? There's a whole bunch of or a whole host of that new challenges that would present. Yeah. But, but maybe it could. I don't yeah. know. And I'll answer my own question with saying that I really enjoy – I drive a manual car. I don't want to be one of those people that like, oh, I drive a manual. But I, <laughs> I do enjoy that a lot. Yeah. And I would own an electric vehicle in the future, but 
part of the reason why I kind of don't want to do that is I really enjoy the, the feeling of actually, you know, rowing through gears. Yeah. And so for reasons like that, I mean, I think in NASCAR they use what sequential shifting. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a part of the race too. I, Whereas before, I don't know if they did, but yeah. But you know, whereas with electric, they just basically put their foot down on the gas, and then the brake. It 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 would lose a bit of its luster. Yes, Is I also right uh, shout out to Dad here. Now we're getting a little off the rails, but shout out to Dad here, teaching me how to drive my stick yeah. stick shift. Uh, he has the the Mustang in the family that I will not let him sell. <laughs> <laughs> An eighty nine. Don't Mustang. sell it. He oh, sold beautiful. a I think it was ninety six. And I told him, you're not selling the gray one. It's gray. Mm-hmm. And he still has it. I don't think it's been out of storage since my senior pictures for high school. But it's yeah. it's uh, it's in the family because I will not let him sell it. But you're right. As you shift through gears, if you as you increase speed, the adrenaline just starts to naturally flow through. And that is what made NASCAR relevant when it first started to get, get some speed and traction and really start to gain in popularity was people could watch these cars go top speed something that regular people couldn't do because there's speed limits all over the place and then you add the drama and the tensions and the next gen and the strategy in racing and this is a completely new ball game other follow-up question you see you know the nfl investing in their future fans mm-hmm. nickelodeon yes is I'm this something about that yeah is this something that nascar nascar should be doing because i personally have almost no knowledge on how a race, you know, like uh, like points and stuff like that to me is a concept that I will never understand. I know that you win the race if you get first place, and that's about it. Yeah. Well, I, I can also give you a brief explanation of it. The race is broken into th- into three stages. So stage one, like say, just Clash of Champions. So we'll, we'll go round numbers to keep it easy. It was 150 laps. The first 50 was stage one. The second 50 was stage two. And then the last 50 was stage three of the final race. So there's more points for the different stages. You can lead stage one, win stage one, then everybody goes to pit roll, commercial break. You know, you kind of let the pilot car out there for the first couple laps, and then the race gets underway again. So there are different points for the different stages, and that's different. You know, if there's a race that's 260 laps, the first 80 is going to be stage one or something like that. So then you get points throughout the entire season based on where you rank. For for all the stages, if you're in the top 10, you're going to get a different amount of points. So the point system is different, but there should be a way for it to relay, convey that message to some of the younger fans. You maybe go to like adults, or not adults one, yeah, at night. Right. Go to like uh, Cartoon Network. NFL goes to Nickelodeon. What if you go to the other one? You know, what if you go to Cartoon Network? Yeah, because I mean, the, PBS maybe. the way that Nickelodeon is presenting their um, the NFL games, obviously it's not something that we would watch as fans that we understand the game but they i think they literally have people come up and explain what happens in They're certain doing a scenarios great job. they do Why a great do job that? with it every penalty there is one of the characters from one of the star shows on nickelodeon who comes up and explains you know i think it, like an example was young sheldon came up and explained what a holding penalty was when right. they called it in the game so they're teaching to the game they're cultivating this culture for the younger fan base to get into it it's something that all sports should look at doing i've said major league baseball should do it before but that's run by rob manfred and we all know how that's going for major league baseball they're not going to start off the regular season on time because things are just going into the ground but either way i think it's something sports should start to cultivate more of i like the idea even if there's like a nick two or something like that you could throw it on there so it's not on the prime time whatever you know whatever though i I like i like that idea of cultivating Uh, nascar you can message us and 
We'll get it set up for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Small Ask, fee. Reach out to me for the uh, small fee at TonyGNation.com. The part that everybody's been waiting for, because this is what I advertise in the open, is this final segment. I've been doing the Wisconsin sports highlight, where I highlight a sports team and bring them on the podcast to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about Green Bay Packers, because they just made a move that I absolutely love. They signed Rick Passaccia to be the special teams coordinator who spent 20 seasons as the special teams coordinator in Las Vegas before becoming that interim head coach after John Gruden. And then we all know how the Raiders went with Josh McDaniels. Rick Passaccia was out on the market and got hired to be the Packers special teams coordinator. Here's why I love this. They fired Mo Drayton last week because we all know how the Packers special teams has fared. Last in the league, cost them a playoff game. And not to mention that the Raiders had the 11th ranked special team uh, special team unit in the NFL this year. So they're towards the top, almost top 10. So it's a successful unit. He has experience. Not to mention that when he stepped in as the head coach, he was a player's coach. Players loved playing for him. And he took Las Vegas, a team in turmoil, a team who had players get arrested, who had a head coach get fired. He took a team to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Lost in Cincinnati, but still guided the team to a playoffs. Yeah. There's... Well, when it, sorry, go ahead. Well, even when you think of the Packers, and you know it cost them the NFC Championship game. Lafleur's first year was their defense, so they go sign these names. They go, you know, finally Mike Mike Pettin is out. They come in Joe Barry, and then everything is starting to figure itself out. Offense, defense is good. Special teams still lacks, and then they go feed that position, and then they get that ironed out. So I like what the Packers are doing here. All three phases of the game, we're not messing around with it anymore. It's going to be successful. I like that. Yeah, and. There's something I saw on Twitter, and I, I do not remember who posted it, so I cannot give credit. But there was a video, and it was a compilation of the um, kickoff and punt returns for touchdowns in the last 10 years for Green Bay, and there were none. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a compilation yep. of the best, you know, whatever. And it was a, it was a, and then it just cut to a black screen and said, thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was on uh, Twitter, there's a video of Rick Passaccia counting the players that are out there on a special teams play. So You remember what happened in the 49ers game when yep. the Packers only sent out 10 when yep. the 49ers kicked the game-winning field goal? Something that just won't happen under Bisaccia. You like that a lot. Right. And I know that like punt returns and kickoff returns are something that is becoming less and less you know, a Probably. part of the game. Yeah. I don't remember the last time that there was a 30-yard punt return for Green Bay. Maybe there was this one this year, but the point is they don't happen very often. No, it doesn't. There's and more. There's more fumbles on punt returns and kick returns than there are on than there are returns for big right. Gains. And that's a huge part of the game. Yeah. If that's still going to be a part, getting a decent return. I mean, I, wa- I remember watching. I don't know if it was 2010, but there was a period of time where Jordy Nelson would bring back a kickoff return to the 40 yard line, like pretty consistently. Starting at the 40 is a major advantage. And what do the Packers allow opposing teams to do? Every time the Packers kick off, this gets on my nerves more than anything. Mm-hmm. Every opposing team starts from the 40. Yeah. Because a kick goes out of bounds because the the uh, gunners can't keep contained. Can, yeah. Whatever it may be, there, there's something that... has got to stop. Yeah. There was never a moment where special teams was collectively confident in their ability to, to perform as they should. Here's the downside to this hiring, though. This makes, uh, per PackersNews.com, this makes Rick Passaccia the highest paid special teams coach in the NFL at $2 million per year. So you did have to pay out for him. Mm-hmm. 
we all know that the Packers are in cap space hell with their player <laughs> cap space. So, you know, all money being spent doesn't necessarily help your cap situation, but it's something that you needed to happen. I can absolutely weigh which option to go with here. I can look at spend the money that you're running out of to sure up your special teams or go through another season of special teams brutality that we have gone through for the last couple of years. I don't know. I know I talk a lot about salary cap stuff. That's okay, though. I always mention it, salaries. You're the, final, you're the, you're the uh, financial guy. But doesn't it seem like every year people go, this team really hurts in salary. And then they go and sign a bunch of people. They figure out some way. Out. It's like it's almost coming to the point where like analysts do their job so well in figuring out how to get through these contract deals that it's almost like there's going to be a solution. Like Andrew Brandt said, we said it on the uh, first episode of this season. Andrew Brandt, the former executive for the Green Bay Packers. He said, there's a plan. Mm-hmm. They might be over cap space now, but there's a plan. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Once once the time comes, they will have everything figured out. They will make pay cuts. They will release players who they need to. They will get things figured out. So we'll see how it goes. That was a good show. That was fun. That was a good show. Let us know what you think at Willis5312 on Twitter, at TonyGNation on Twitter. Check us out at TonyGNation.com. Three episodes in, pal. Rolling. Right along. Yeah. Talking about next gen on this episode. We'll have uh, three episodes in, and or no, four episodes in after this week and three interviews. Yeah, and three interviews. And not one second was spent talking baseball. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, next Thursday, though, uh, Super Bowl preview, Super Bowl 56. So stay tuned to the podcast. Three interviews coming out Mike Pant tomorrow, Dan Lukes, and AJ Aitken at some point throughout the next two weeks. So stay tuned. Good things coming for the Tony G Show. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. 